When I was working at the YMCA in inner city Columbia, I worked for um, a, a, a program called Youth Incentive Programs. We called it YIP. It was awesome. Um, and so I would go around and pick up these inner city kids, and we would go on the bus to the Y. And one day, this guy gets on. He's like, I don't know, third grade. This is a long time ago. And he's looking at me funny, and he just kind of walks back and sits down. And I'm looking at that huge bus mirror, and I can see him checking me out right, which is awkward. You're a man, and he's a third grade boy, and he's checking you out, but I finally turned. I was like, can I help you? And he goes, how did you get here? This is a philosophical question. Are we talking about sex? I mean, what do you want to know exactly? How did I get here, right? I was like, what, what do you mean? He goes, but I just saw you on TV last night. How did you get here? What show did you see me on? In living color. <laughs> yeah. We just divide the room into old and young with one sentence, didn't we? And I was like, yeah, like, what was I doing? He went, you're Jim Carrey. <laughs> and I said, yes, yes, I am. <laughs> he said, how did you get here? I said, dude, I'm Jim Carrey. I have a private jet. And he went, oh. <laughs> if by chance the sovereign God allows that young man to have grown up and watch this video right now or tomorrow he'll watch it and he'll be like, he, he wasn't Jim Carrey? <laughs> I never told him I wasn't. When I was speaking a lot, I had longer hair, a, a very lame looking mustache and goatee. Um, I got a lot of Jeff Foxworthy. Um, but the one that I get all the time, I mean, people stop me on the street and like, dude, you look exact, and I'm not even going to say that you told me I look like Ellen. What's up with that? <laughs> Listen, um, just, just, for, just for personal reference, so like a lot of times as a pastor, I like to espouse wisdom that I hope that you just kind of put in your back pocket and save for a rainy day. Here's some for you. When your pastor's getting ready to step up on the platform, not the time to look at him and say, you remind me of Ellen. Like, do I look like a girl? He goes, that's no, more like the way you walk. <laughs> what are you saying? I don't understand, right? How exactly does Ellen walk? I have no idea how Ellen walks. Apparently, apparently Ellen is somewhere right now, and people are like, Ellen, you're like Paul Jenkins. You walk like Paul Jenkins. Anyway, the one, the one that I get all the time, people stop me, like we go, you know, it embarrasses Wendy, we'll go out to the restaurants, and people just walk up, like, can, dude, can I get your autograph? I'm like, absolutely. What? What do you mean what? This happens all the time. People always tell me, <laughs> people are always like, dude, you look just like Brad Pitt. I don't know where, how it comes from. I, I, I don't see it. I don't see it. Do you see it? I don't see it, but I get it all the time. Huh. So we're in Ephesians chapter 5, and hopefully this will all have something to do with what we're talking about, right? <laughs> oh God, I just lied. Forgive me. <laughs> you're like, you're like, I don't see it. Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. Lassie maybe, but not Brad Pitt. So we're in Ephesians chapter 5. Now, if this is your first time with us, here's the deal, okay? We're going through this book of Ephesians, which is really actually a letter that this other Paul, the real Paul, as I like to call him, the real Paul wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus. So he's in house arrest, 
I've never been in house arrest. He writes this letter to the believers in Ephesus. And so we've been kind of walking through this letter, this book. It's one of the 66 books in the Bible, just taking our time, strolling through. And today we're going to start chapter 5. We're getting clo- close to the end. So the last couple of weeks are going to be fantastic. You don't want to miss them. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Today we are in Ephesians chapter 5. Now there's something we've learned about Paul, the other Paul. Um, Paul can get a little bit wordy. Have you noticed that? Like sometimes he starts a sentence and then 10 verses later he ends it. And you're kind of in the middle. You ever read books like that? Or do you have professors like that? People that just talk a lot. Like You're not thinking of me, are you? <laughs> Please don't think about me. But they say a lot of stuff. And somewhere in the middle you're just like, I have no idea what you're saying. And isn't it great if people are at least aware that they do that enough to stop in the middle and say, well, well, hold on, hold on. I can see that you're lost. Let's just sum up. I love people that can sum up, right? And so Paul, as wordy as he is, does a pretty good job of summing up, simplifying things. Kind of like I just confused you with that long sentence, and now we want to simplify it. So here's what we're going to do in Ephesians chapter 5, the first nine words. Paul kind of just summarizes exactly what he's been talking about to this point. He says, look, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. All the things I've said to you up to this point... That if you choose Jesus, that's the one choice that matters. If you're in Christ, Phil talked about that. We use that phrase a lot, in Christ. If you're in Christ, it doesn't mean that you're necessarily in church. It probably does. It doesn't mean that you're a good person. It just means that you have said to God, I get it. I'm a sinner. I got no shot at salvation. I got no shot at heaven. I'm not going to go to heaven because I'm a Wolfpack fan. Right? And as a Wolfpack fan, I will say, absolutely, that's one reason you're not going to go to heaven, okay? Because it's hard to be a Pack fan. I'm not going to go because I pull for the Panthers. Cam Newton cannot pass me into heaven because he wouldn't get the ball to me necessarily. It would be higher over my head. The only way I'm getting to heaven is Jesus. That's what it means to be in Christ. I'm not getting there because I read my Bible. I'm not even getting there because I signed up for those text alerts that the church sent out. I'm getting there because of Jesus. That's what it means to be in Christ. To say to him, look, I've got no shot except that Jesus is who I've chosen to believe in. Here's here's why this matters. Paul's been giving us all kinds of stuff. Like some of it's been really theory stuff, like real heady stuff. Like you are in Christ. You are seated with God. You are chosen. You are selected. All these things. And at some point we kind of go, okay, that's really good. What exactly does it mean, right? We've mentioned the calculus teacher. It's kind of like sitting in calculus class thinking, I know this is important, but I don't see how I'm ever going to use this. When I was in seminary, I would raise my hand regularly and say to the really, really smart professor with lots of letters at the end of his name that knew a lot more than I did, I would raise my hand during the Q&A time and say, sir, how do I use this? I'm going to be standing in front of teenagers someday, and you want me to talk about like premillennial and amillennialism what? I just need, I need people to sum up. So we started last week looking at Ephesians chapter 4. Like we've been in the last half of that chapter and he's talking about living like we're in the light and he's talking about things we should and shouldn't do and how the body helps us to grow up. And now in the middle of all that, he's getting ready to go into chapter 5 where he's going to get really, really practical. He's going to start talking about marriage and families and all this stuff. And in the middle of all that, he kind of goes, stop, time out, hold on. What we're talking about is this, imitate God, okay? If you don't get anything else out of today, get that, imitate 
the God of the universe. And if you're a really type A person, your to-do list just grew by one, but it feels like it grew by a million. Like, who puts that on our to-do list in the morning? Today, imitate God. Today, look like the God of the universe. Today, everything I say, everything I do, every breath that I take, have people think I'm God. Nobody does that. That's like, how do you pull that off? And so Paul stops and says, look, let's talk about this. How do we imitate God? How do we pull this off? Here's the big idea today. Now, i got to apologize because when I was cutting these sheets, I realized that half of you have the right big idea and half of you have the duplicate big idea. Okay? So here's why you have two. The big idea today is this. When you're God's kid, you'll do what God did. When you're God's kid, you'll do what God did. Now, half of you don't have that on your sheet. You know why? I'm not God. I choked. I didn't get up there. So you can just write down. When you're God's kid, you'll do what God did. Now, there's a second big idea, and I'm going to let you pick which one you want to remember, okay? Because I knew right away that some of you were going to be like, mm, that's cute, Paul. Real elementary. That's kind of how I am. I'm simple. So I get this. Like, if I'm God's kid, I'll do what God did. But for those of you that are smarter than me, I have an adult version. You ready? Here's the adult version. The children of God reflect the character of God. So you pick which one you want, okay? The children of God reflect the character of God. That's for all the people that are like all into big books and big words and stuff like that. Paul, the real Paul, would be very proud of that. But if I went to the Apostle Paul and said, dude, I read your letter. It's awesome. I got chapter 5. It's kind of lost. So I kind of summed it up like this. What you're saying is like, if I'm God's kid, I'll do what God did. Paul would be like, well, no, what I was trying to say was the children of God reflect the character of God. He's Paul, and I'm Paul, okay? So you pick which one you want, all right? This is all we're going to talk about today. How do we pull this off? Point one, why? Why do we look like God? Real simple answer, we got the same DNA. That's the simple answer. We've got the same DNA, there's one obvious reason why children look like dads. Um, I've brought some pictures. We're going to walk through them real quick. Just some father-son lookalikes, just so you can see what I'm talking about. You'll be able to tell these people are related, right? Let's go a couple more. So right away you can see um, that it's, it's, they look alike. You can tell that they're related. You can tell that some of them are losers. Definitely father-son. Now, it's Tom Hanks and his son, you can tell. He's kind of got the same smile, same manners. Now, now it's not just a look. Let's go. Not just look. Hold on, hold on for a second. Why don't you get the next couple pictures? You're going to see this. It's not just that they look the same. It's that they act the same. Now, this is an actual mug shot. Okay? Father on the left got arrested. And then a little bit later, son on the right got arrested. One's got get her done tattooed on his forehead. <laughs> wow. And then the other's got psycho, okay? Maybe that should be reversed. I don't know. But father-son. So it's not just that they look alike. It's that they're going to start to act the same as well, okay? Let's see a couple more. Yeah, I'd say they're acting the same. They both have their little Ziploc bags of snacks, and they're eating them. And then, then I've got one more picture to show you. Um, this just so you can see, it's, it's not just... Uh, it's not just a, it's not just immediate family, right? This is this is me as a as a as a small baby, and this is my nephew Eli. So there's a similarity there, right? There's like you know we look kind of look the same. Why is that? Well, there's 
we look like the people that we're related to. There's a strain of DNA. There's something there. We, we, okay, we can. Did you say it was disgusting? Wow. I can't believe you talked like about Eli like that. It's horrible. <laughs> Bearded babies are a little scary, aren't they? Just a little scary. They're a really big head, too. Listen, if we're in Christ, we possess the same DNA as our Heavenly Father. Okay, if we're in Christ, look what Paul said, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. Why do we imitate God? Because we're his kids. I mean, it's just natural. We just are. If you're in Christ, if you've said, I don't just believe in Jesus like I've heard about him, like I've heard people preach about him, and some people preach better about him than other people, and Paul, right now, yeah, you're like three I don't just believe, but I believe, I accept, I choose to change my entire life and follow after Jesus. He's my only shot. That's what biblical belief is. If I've done that, I'm in Christ. And if I'm in Christ, the Bible says I've got my Father's DNA. So when people look at Parker or Will or Sidney and say, man, you can like your dad. They don't have to try. I think they're actually trying not to be. They don't have to try, they just are, because we have the genes. Just to make sure you understand how this works, John, a few of these verses down, okay? John 3, verse 3. Now, Jesus is talking to this man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus is um, like a southern Christian, right? He's been in church a lot. He's religious. He's a good man. He can't quite figure Jesus out. That kind of sums up southern Christians. And so he's, Jesus says to him in verse 3, John chapter 3, verse 3, he says, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. Now, Nicodemus is a little freaked out about that, right? I don't want to get too graphic here, but Nicodemus is a grown man, and he's like, born again. Boy, it's going to be bad for my mom, right? How are we going to do that? So you got to be born again. Jesus uses this image of being born again. John 3, 6 says this. He's still talking to Nicodemus, trying to explain to him, look, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about, like, you're not crawling back up with your mom here, okay? We're talking about flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit, okay? Now, this is just religion 101, okay? If you've ever heard anybody use the expression born again, next time you hear it, let's just have some fun. Next time you hear somebody say that, just look at them and go, what does that mean? I mean, my guess is they're going to say uh, it means to be born again. I know, you already said that, but what does it mean? Well, you know, like, again, to be born. Yeah, I know, I, I know, you're an idiot. What does it mean, right? We just throw these terms out. We don't have any idea what they mean, okay? So I'm just showing you biblically, what does it mean to be born again? Jesus is the one that said it, so it's important, right? That's the easy part. But what does it mean to be born again? Does it mean we physically get born again? Jesus is like, no. Like, flesh gives birth to flesh. So if you're a farmer and you go out one night and watch a horse give birth or you watch some other animal give birth, that's flesh giving birth to flesh, right? It's nasty and it's gross. And I've seen flesh give birth to flesh three times and I'm good, right? Here they are, right? Spirit gives birth to spirit. Jesus is saying, look, when I'm talking about being born again, we're talking about spiritually. You've got to be born again. John 3, 16, you probably heard this verse. 
It says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Now, these are all things that he said to Nicodemus. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him, and what do we, what do we mean by believe in him? We believe with our head. We act with our life. That's belief, biblically. If we believe in him, we will not perish but have eternal life. We are born again by believing in Jesus. 1 Peter 2.9. Just jot that down. It says that you are a chosen people. The word for people literally means generation. The word for generation in the Greek is genos. Sounds kind of like another word we know called genes. That's what happens when you're born again. Like you get a brand new nature. We've been talking about it through Ephesians. He's been writing about it. You were old, now you're new. You had an old man, now you have a new man. An old heart, now you have a new heart. You walked in old ways, now we're going to walk in new ways. You had old, ratty, nasty clothes, we took them off and we put on better clothes. It's all because we're new on the inside. We've been born again if we're following Christ. That's the gospel in a nutshell. Now, listen, I'm going to make this statement, and you're going to either like it or not. And if you don't like it, what do we say in our head? Grace, okay? So if we don't like it, just say grace because you're not alone. Nobody else in here is going to like it either because it's going to be one of those that stings a little bit, all right? The reason why acting like God is hard for so many is because they've never been born again. Okay, let me just say it again, all right? I'm going to let you chew on it. The reason why acting like God is hard for so many is because they've never been born again. They're still trying to act like what they are not. You've known people like that. You might be that person where you go to church, you kind of do church, it's fun for a while, then it's a chore, then it's like, I don't know. It's hard to do stuff. It's hard to act a certain way. You feel this pressure to be a certain thing. And the reason it's hard is because maybe, possibly, I'm just throwing it out there, Grace, we haven't been born again. Religion is hard. Resembling your father is not. If you're born of the Spirit, you will begin to resemble God. We'll talk more about this towards the end, but let me just make sure you get it. Parker, Will, and Sydney, from conception, shared my DNA. The resemblance has grown over time. Okay, you got that? All right. When they came out... The doctor did not hold up Parker and go, looks just like you. We were talking about that in the back, right? Because babies are typically ugly at the beginning. Yeah, it's true. They're covered with that, like, pink jelly stuff. It's gross. (laughs) Hose them down. They don't look like us, but they have our DNA. They have all the, everything they need to begin to resemble us over time, right? And it doesn't take long. It does not take long. That's why you look at babies and you say things like, oh, he's got your feet. <laughs> Which is an awkward thing to say, but have fun with it. You know, just have fun with it. Next time you see a baby, don't say stuff like he's got your eyes. Go for the crazy stuff. Oh, he's got your right elbow. It's so sweet. Because they'll be like. <laughs> All right. Let's go on to number two. Enough about number one. So why do we look like God? Because we have the same DNA. When do we look like God? When are we most like God? When are people more, most likely to look at us and say, you look just like your father? When? When we have the same love. 
Paul says this back in Ephesians chapter 5. He says, look, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. So we know that we're supposed to imitate God, and we're going to do that because we're dearly loved children. And live a life of love. So, like, all the things we're going to read, because we're going to fly through, like, verses 3 through 20, and you're gonna like, your head's going to be spinning. Well, that's a lot of stuff to keep up with, a lot of stuff to do. That's a big checklist, yada, yada, yada. All this just blows our mind. But what he's saying is this. When it's all said and done, when you will look most like your father is when you live with the same love he had. What, what do we learn about God's love right here in verse 2? We learn um, it has to be received before it can be given away. He says, live a life of love just as Christ loved us. You ever have a hard time loving somebody? Do not look at your spouse right now. You know what the cure is for that? To start thinking about how much Jesus loves you. It's amazing how that works. Like if you really start thinking about what a rotten scoundrel you are, nudging your spouse, this part's for you. If you really start thinking about how rotten we are, and yet God is so crazy about us, he loves us, he accepts us in Christ Man, you can't think about that too long before suddenly that person that's driving you nuts is not quite as rotten as you thought they were. There's something about the love of God filling up our heart that spills out onto other people. When are we most like God when we have the same love? It's got to be received before it can be given away. It is active. Jesus doesn't say that he loved us. He gave his love to us. Live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up. And where did he give us himself up? Remember? What does that mean? Starts with the C, ends with Ross. Yeah, at the cross. Good job. Y'all so smart. You figured that out. You're like, C, Ross, C, Ross, C, Ross, Sesame, Sesame Street, C, Ross, cross. He gave himself up for us at the cross. He didn't give himself up behind the 7 Eleven. Like, whoa, he caught me. I'm giving myself up. He gave himself up on the cross. So love has to be received before it can be given away. Love is active. Love is sacrificial. It costs God something to love us. Maybe you've been in one of those relationships that was really costly. You're dating this girl, and she's not satisfied to rent from Netflix. She's like, no, no, no. You're flying me to New York City, baby. We're going Broadway. What? We just did that last week. I know. We're doing it again. Costly. Sometimes it, and if you love her, guess what you're going to do? Probably going to fly her to New York City, go to Broadway. Until you have a really good relationship and look at her and go, dude, we're doing Netflix, right? Sometimes it costs. It costs to pursue. It costs to love. It costs God everything to pursue you. He didn't just say, I love you from a distance. See ya. He came close. And coming close cost him. Everything. Not that you would ever say this, but I'm going to give you the, the benefit of the doubt that sometimes it's difficult to love each other. Is that fair to say? Okay. So when it's hard to love people, guess what we always do? I'm just human. I'm, I love the I'm only human commercial where they keep wrecking cars and stuff. <laughs> I'm just human. Sometimes we cop out by saying, but hey, well, I can't really love that sacrificially because I'm not Jesus. And God would look at us and say, now, are you in Christ? Well, I, yeah, absolutely. Then you can love like that. 
because you have the same DNA that I do. Um, 1 John 4, 7. It's a pretty plain verse. Talking about what happens to us when we are born again. 1 John 4, 7. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God. Everyone who loves has been born of God. So when we love, like when you love people that are jerks, um, think about the people you work with right now. When you really love them, they start going, whoa, that's not natural. Like I'm being a jerk to you and you still being nice. You're loving me. That's not natural. And you would say, you're right, because I want to punch you in the face. But I'm not going to because God's loved me when he probably wanted to punch me in the face. And I want to give that same love to you. And when we do that, people start saying things like, hmm, maybe, maybe this thing that you're talking about is real. Now, just so you know that I'm not caught up in utopia, let me just explain this. Loving each other is easy. Uh, You're not sure about that. All right, so let me just say it like this. I do believe this. Think about your family. It's not hard to love your family. It is hard to live with your family. Okay? Because what I want you to get is this. Well, yeah, I love them. (sighs) I just try. You don't have to try to love your family. Here's how we know. And if you've got family, if you've got a brother or you've got a sister, you already know this is true. If you're a parent, you've got small kids, you know this is true. We can fight at the drop of a hat, can't we? In the middle of your fight with your family, let somebody walk up with a gun and try to take out your family. And what are you going to do? You're probably not running away. You're jumping in. The person you were just fighting with, you're now saving You're now both turning on the person with the gun. And if you're both female, the person with the gun is freaking out. You're like ninja sisters, right? Y'all were fighting. It's like, don't get in the middle of that fight. And he got in the middle of it and was like, you know? See, it's not hard to love your family. It's just hard to live with them. We've bought the lie that love is hard. Love is not hard. When you have the same DNA, when you are in the same family, it is not hard to love each other. It's just hard to live with each other. And I'll give you that. Oh, man, will I give you that. It's hard to live with your family. So bring that into the family of God. Here's what I want you to get. It's not hard. (laughs) Okay, maybe we should look around the room first before I say this, right? Just go ahead and look around the room. It's not hard to love each other. Sometimes hard to live with each other. But love is from God, and all who are born of God love. So, how do we continually love like God? We continually receive love from God. The more dearly we're loved by God, the more clearly we give love to others. Now, here are some some obstacles, okay? How do we look like God? Number three. How do we look like God? We have to um, obey these three real simple practical commands. Okay, here we go. Real quick. This won't take long. Here's the first command. Stop hinting. Verses 3 through 7. Let me read them to you. He says this. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality. I was supposed to say that softly. Sexual immorality. 
or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. That's, that's packed right there. Like when I read stuff like that, I, I go, coarse joking, huh. foolish talk, hmm. God, you don't mean sarcasm, do you? Sarcasm's cool, right? Hmm. Out of place, not fit for God's holy people. Like, I read that and go, like, he's saying, don't even hint at that. Like, do you ever want to say to God, I'm not hinting, I'm just doing it, right? We're not hinting here at all. We're, I'm all in. I'm all in on the foolish talk. Check. He's like, don't even hint at that stuff. So, let's just kind of break down what what does it mean to hint at something well we drop hints about gifts that we want right you ever do that (laughs) hey baby guess what i want for christmas i don't know just tell me Uh, it's kind of big why don't you just write down for me it glitters why don't you just put it on my iphone well it it, it rings like a bell, too, sometimes. We, we drop hints all the time. And I'm telling you right now, the people that you're dropping hints to, if they could say one thing to you, it would be like, speak clearly. Don't hint. Can I get an amen from all the men in the room, right? Yeah, amen, brother. Preach it. Like you lost me on the female ninja thing, but you got me right here, baby. I'm back with you. Like, stop hinting. Let's, here's, what, here's what I believe. This is... Basically, this is warning us to stop seeing how close we can get to impurity without consequence. When I was youth pastoring, what was the one question that every teenager wanted me to answer? How far is too far? It's like, that's the wrong question. Like, you know, that, like, how far is too far? How far is too far? You don't know till you go over. And you're like, oh, <laughs> that was too far, right? The right question is, how close can I get to Jesus? Not how far can I get this way with, and still know I'm going to go to heaven. How close can I get to Jesus? This is hinting. Stop hinting. Well, I'm, going to tell, I'm going to tell a coarse joke here. But I, I love Jesus, but this is so funny. <laughs> You're going to love it, dude. Stop hinting. Stop hinting. Just clearly live for God. I, I do want to say this. As someone who loves to joke around, when we start thinking, how, how much can we do without suffering consequence? Just jot down Proverbs 6.27. Proverbs 6.27 is biblical proof that you can't get very close without getting hurt. It's, it's the, it says this, can a man scoop fire into his lap and not be burned? Uh, no. <laughs> and for your enjoyment, we're going to have a visual demonstration. No, that'd be, that'd be terrible. Can you imagine somebody like... Nah, man, it's not going to hurt me at all. Just bring it on, right? Can a man scoop fire in his lap and not be burned? Like there's some verses you read just like the answer is you're stupid. That's one of them. But that's what we do. We, we just get how much can I do and not get hurt? That's hinting, right? It's hinting. I, I noticed it started in verse 3. He said, let there not even be a hint. 
And then in verse 7, he says, do not be partners. So I just want you to understand something. And if we, if we could take the mic and go around the room and y'all could give your testimonies, I guarantee you this, this would be true about almost every one of them. I hinted early on, but in the end, I was a partner. It was a beer, and then I was an alcoholic. It was one naked booby picture. Now I'm addicted to porn. See what I'm saying? I took one paper clip from the office. I embezzled. Now I'm not saying it's going to like from paper clip to embezzlement. No, there's lots of steps in between that. But do you understand how it starts with a hint and it ends with partnership? I mean, we could all say that's true. We don't like to hear it, but we'd all say it's true because it's all been true in our lives. And God's answer is not stop embezzling, stop hinting. Do you see? Second practical command, turn the light on. Verses 8 through 14, he says this, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them, for it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, and listen, if you're a parent of a teenager, Ephesians 5.14, this is your verse, okay? Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. You should quote that every morning as you turn the light on for your kids. Turn the light on. So one way that we can stop hinting is just to turn the light on. Um, verses 8 and 9 tells us this, living in the light is how we find out what pleases the Lord. You can't find out what pleases the Lord stumbling around in the dark, okay? At some point, you just got to turn that light on. I'm sure all of us have stories about how we hit our foot, hit our toe, whatever, trying to get to the bathroom late at night because the light wasn't on, right? The other night, I turned to go to bed, and I tripped over the vacuum cleaner. It was in the hallway, and I, I, the light wasn't on, and it's not usually there, but it was, and Boom! Made for an exciting time for us. Hallelujah. I have many stories about things that happen in the dark. I've told you about eating ants in the dark because I didn't know they were the bottom of the, the, the donut bag. I've gotten dressed before in the dark and realized I had fire ants in my pants. Bad things happen in the dark, right? It's better to have the light on. Why is that? <laughs> I brought you back there too, didn't I? You're like, dude got eaten but with fire ants. Like all up in the, anyway, let's move on. Why? Don't even think so spiritual, okay? Just practically. Don't you like to have the light on? Don't you like to see where you're going? Are you a psychomaniac that gets in the car on a night when there's no moon and drives without headlights? No, because if you do, you will die. We like to have light. Paul says this, look, man, you want to imitate God, and I love this about God. God is not settling to be in the dark. Numbers 12, 8, you can just jot that down and read it later. God's talking about Moses. He says this about Moses. He says, you know, with Moses, I don't have to speak like in riddles. I speak face to face. I speak clearly. God doesn't like to play games. He doesn't like to hint around. He is not a hinter. He's a God who says things clearly. 
in our house, we say this. said it yesterday. We're talking with Sydney about something. God doesn't move in the shadows. God doesn't move around like this. He's in the light. He doesn't hint. He's clear. You want to know how to look like God? You could just watch him. Do you know why? Because he's turned the light on. I love that. God's not the kind of guy, like, ever had a coach that told you, hey, just run faster. Shoot better. Like, how? This is all I got. Coach me. Man, God's not like that. God doesn't say, be like me. Imitate me. You're like, I can't see you. Just guess. God sent his son, who was the light of the world. He turns the light on. Now he's asking us to do the same thing. Stop playing in the shadows. Just turn the light on so you can see what I'm about. God is all about shining light. I just want you to understand, his children will be just like that. If you're a child of God, you'll be in the light. And then here's the third one, wise up. Be very careful, verse 15, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just about done. Let's wrap this thing up. Paul says, okay, so don't see how close you can get to sin. Stop living in the shadows. And here, do one more thing. Get wisdom. <laughs> now, this is when you want to punch the person next to you, right? Like, this is the part for you, idiot. Listen up. He says, wise up. Get wisdom. Proverbs 4, 7 says this, at all cost, get wisdom. I, I was reading where it says, um, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine. It's like, man, we spend a lot of stuff on things that won't help us wise up. Have you noticed that? I'm not my, it's not like a sermon railing against drinking, okay? Um, now, if I liked wine, I might have a glass every now and then, but I just don't. It's just it's nasty. But I'm pretty sure we're not supposed to get drunk, right? I think it's pretty clear in the Bible. So we spend all kinds of money. I mean, we'd go down there and buy wings and stuff for the, for the guys at Big Al's watching the game, and you just watch them. You think, man, these are people that they, they might not even make their payment next, week, next month on their car, on their house. They might not make their utility payment, but they're, they're definitely having a good time tonight, right? And it's not to knock them. I'm just saying we, we spend so much resources, so much money on things that don't make us wiser. And then we read verses like Proverbs 4, 7 where God says, at all costs, get wisdom. We're like, eh, hey, whoa, hey, eh, I'm not sure how much I want to pay to get wisdom. And I'm, I'm doing pretty good to give you an hour on Sunday. So let's don't get crazy talking about like me and Jesus spending time together during the week. I'm, come on, I got to draw the line somewhere. Man, but we'll spend so much time, energy, resources, money on everything else. Now, he uses the word debauchery, which is an interesting choice. This is the price of that choice. If we choose to be foolish, the price we're going to pay is debauchery. He says, don't get drunk on wine in verse 18, which leads to debauchery. I was trying to think, how can I even explain that? So let's just do it like this. Getting a little buzz, getting a little buzz, um, drinking a little bit might get you buzzed. Debauchery will get you arrested. Okay? 
Debauchery's like, that's when people, I mean, we could use anything. We don't have to just go with, with alcohol. It's just easy to do. But you ever been around people that, like, they're, they're, so, they're so drunk, like their drinking friends don't want to be around them? Right? That's, kinda, that's getting pretty close to debauchery. Debauchery is like when even your best friends are like, dude, that's messed up. And, and God says if it, that's the end result if we don't choose to wise up, okay? And so here he says, wise up. When we wise up, we realize that no one lives like that and thinks that it resembles God. Nobody is um, putting the lampshade on their head, right? And, it's just, and just jumping around, having a great old time, and people are going, that looks just like Jesus, dude. Awesome. Nobody's doing that. Wise wisdom, people who choose to at all costs get wisdom, that's what allows us to look like God. Uh, verse 19 says this, speak to one another. I would love for y'all to, um, to live this out. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Please do that. Are any of you just spontaneous singers in your house? And I don't even mean like songs on the radio, because everybody's doing Frozen right now, and I'm sick of it. But I'm talking about like just in my house, like if I wake up in the morning, <laughs> you're never going to want to live with me, right? I mean, I tell you so much about my house, you're like, dude, y'all are jacked up. You pray for Wendy all the time. But in my house, if I get up in the morning, if I'm in a particularly good mood and I'm walking and I'm going up to make coffee, you know, I might like see Bella, our dog, and be like, Bella, Bella's got to go pee. I just start singing these songs, right? Like everything's a musical, right? I'm making coffee with a coffee bean, right? You just start singing. And my kids are like, oh, Lord, you know. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. I would love for y'all, we should, we should just take one Sunday. We will not tell you which Sunday it is because half of you won't come back. And we should just dub it like musical at the gathering day, right? And you have to sing everything. Can you see Eugene getting up here? He'd be like, <laughs> he'd be like, you know, I got some announcements laying on y'all, right? He'd be all into it. <laughs> I couldn't go any further because I had no rhyme. Like, I'm going to throw a match you like a bouncing ball. I could have done that, right? I mean, it's, this is this. <laughs> You're like, is that wisdom? <laughs> Probably not, right? This is what he's talking about. Like, don't go, don't go be full of drunkenness and debauchery. Man, instead, speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. What I want you to get out of that is not that you have to sing everything to each other, but you need each other. And we, we say this all the time here, and I know you're sick of hearing it, but y'all, I can't stop. You can't do this without the body of Christ. And, and here's one really obvious reason why. You've got to have people in your corner that are so committed to you, that so love you, they have no problem saying, dude, don't ever do that again. Because you were hinting three months ago, and now you're getting close to like the drunk person nobody wants to be around. I'm not saying you're being a debaucherous person, which is an awesome word. Debauchery! But we're getting close. And I'm telling you right now, the people that are, the people that are not wise, they're not going to tell you that stuff. The people that are being saved, that are loving Jesus, that are walking with him, that love you, they'll tell you that. 
And you'll be like, I don't like you anymore. And that's when it, living with family gets hard. But loving family is easy. And so Paul says this, look, understand, you've got to have other people in your life that can speak truth to you. He talked about it back in Ephesians 4, verse 15, speaking truth in love, we will all things grow up. And then go back to Proverbs 13, 20, this is the last verse and we'll be done. It says, if you walk with the wise, you grow wise. But a companion of fools, this is redneckville, right? A companion of fools suffers harm. Don't you just hear people going, check this out, right? We're going to get in the car, and we're going to hit the gas pedal. <laughs> we're going to make sure it keeps going, and we're going to roll out at the last minute before it goes over the cliff. Come on. Okay, companion of fools suffers harm, right? Walk with the wise. Mm, I don't think I want to do that. <laughs> Why don't you all come out of there, too? I don't think you want to do that either. See, we, we do stuff all the time, like, Nobody shoplifts on their own, do they? I'm asking y'all like you know. I don't know. I've read they don't. I've read it's a group activity. Most people that shoplift, it's because they had a friend go, I bet you won't shoplift. Companion of fools suffers harm. Walk with the wise, you grow wise. And so here's the, here's the lie of the enemy. I'm just letting you know. I'm wise. I'm walking with Jesus. Just me and Jesus. And I'm walking with Jesus. Mm. Okay, good job. Have fun going over the cliff. Jesus will catch you. As you go over the, the cliff, you can be like, Jesus, take the wheel. Awkward country music humor. <laughs> All right, so we're at the conclusion. Yes, let's wrap this thing up, right? Goodness gracious. Um, so here's the word of caution I want to give you, Okay. This is, this is kind of what I struggle with as a pastor. It's too easy to look at this stuff and think that we're not really saved. Okay? It's so easy to look at all we've talked about and say to ourselves, wait a second, I told a, I told a coarse joke the other day. Paul said, if I'm God's kid, I'll do what God did. And I didn't do what God did, so I must not be God's kid. All right? You see what I'm saying? I don't know if y'all do that or not, but I do in my head. Like, how many times can I not look like God and still be his kid? I want you to understand this. There, the truth is, this is a process. Okay, let's go back to my kids again. They had my DNA at conception, but I'm telling you, the more they grow up, the more I see them do things, and I'm like, dang. Like, Wendy will tell me. I mean, Parker and I look similar. And then, did I, did I just embarrass you? Wow. <laughs> wow, Parker. And he's so proud, isn't he? Wow. And Will and Wendy look alike. I mean, Will's a guy, but, you know, features. And Wendy will tell me this all the time. She's like, you know, sometimes now, the, the older that the boys get, when I hear Parker walk down the hall, I don't know if it's him or you. But what I want you to see is this. He wasn't doing that at two. At two, he was bumping into the walls, and she's pretty sure it was not me. But as he's gotten older, see, you have all the stuff you need. You've got all the potential in you. When we're in Christ, we've been blessed, he said at the beginning of this letter, with every spiritual blessing that we need. You've got it. If you're in Christ, if you believe in Jesus, if you're following him, if you're trusting him for your salvation, you've got it. Growing into it, that's the process. And it just takes time. 
You want to come share? Linda came up during worship and said, I really want to say this, and I think it'll fit. Do you think it'll fit well here? I think so. And plus, you know, if you walk with the wise, you get wise. So I'm counting on you to make me wiser. Everybody say, hey, Linda. When we were worshiping this morning, I was just, I was thanking God because I'm, I'm that type A perfectionist person. Everything's supposed to be the way it's supposed to be, and if it's not, I feel I have felt very inadequate. I would hear a message like this and think, oh, I've got to do that. I've got, I'm making that list. I mean, I'm starting it already. But what God's been doing in me, the growing in me, has been that I can, I'm embracing my imperfection. I mean, I was, I was standing there this morning. I can't remember what we were singing, but I was like, he was bringing to mind something I wasn't doing very well. And I didn't feel ashamed. I didn't feel belittled anymore. I didn't feel like, oh, God, I'm not the Christian that I want to be. I'm not even the Christian that I should be. I'm embracing that imperfection has made me be that dependent person again, or for the first time probably, that I can depend on him because it's not like, okay, God, make me strong, make me do good, make me this. It's, God, I'm not this, but I'm going to lean on you because you're going to lead me in being that. They never clap like that for me. That's good. That's so good. That's so good. Let me just wrap it up with a few statements. You may not totally look like God right now, but it will happen. It will happen. And this is a big disclaimer, okay? We talk about that conveyor belt a lot. If you're in Christ, okay? It's huge. I don't want you to hear me saying, if you'll just come to the gathering and be religious, you'll look like God. No, you'll look like a really sad person because eventually that just makes you bitter. But if you're in Christ, if you've chosen to trust him with your salvation, you might not look like God right now, but if you are in Christ, you will. God does not hint at sin. He dies for it. He didn't stay in the shadows. He sent the light. He isn't kind of knowing. He's all-knowing. God loves. God gives. And if you're God's kid, you'll do what God did. And the world will know who your daddy is. And if we do this right, chances are good. They'll want him to become their daddy, too. And it's all because, I love how Linda said it, not because we beat ourselves up over what we didn't do, but because we embrace this one simple truth. We imitate God because we're dearly loved children. If we're God's kid, we'll do what God did. And he takes care of all the rest.